Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always love having you on the program. Dr. David Wilcox is a, a show regular, a show favorite. What, one person that we get a lot of feedback about, particularly on social media, because they're so interested in this story. Uh, this isn't a guy who, uh, you know, in, in, in uh, uh, school, in elementary school, or even in high school, who said, hey, I'm going to become a, a doctor. And, you know, and, and it wasn't the guy who, who really uh, got led, you know, felt led to do that until circumstances led him to doing that. And I think that's a good way of setting it up for you to explain that. Go ahead and elaborate on that. It's going to be a big part. This just in brief, we're going to go into depth, obviously, in the interview. But, uh, first of all, the type of doctor you are, uh, 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 I believe the expression is, um, give, give me the doctor prepared nurse. Is that the correct expression? Did I get it right this time? That's yeah. That's what we're billed as. But I'm a doctor of nursing practice. That's it. Yeah, I, I like that better. That flows better. And so, uh, but you didn't just wake up one day and say, "Hey, I'm going to do that." But before you get into that, he's a phenomenal author. Uh, his his book is like a hands-on manual. Uh, for advocating, literally makes makes people who are going through health care issues either themselves or for a loved one, they feel like they have someone to partner with to help navigate it, an expert in the field. And uh, I think your credentials uh, in, in nursing uh, may even put you on a, a leg up, uh, even over doctors when it comes to preparing for the challenges that people face when it comes to health care. Um, it's a mess. I mean, that seems to be the summation of our interviews, uh, David. It's a, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a mess. And, you know, the doctor, he diagnoses you, but then he turns you over to us, right? And then we have to deal with the family matters. We have to deal with your um, progression, and we have to hold your hand through the illness. So we're definitely a different breed. Yeah. Now, well, yeah, he actually spent time with them. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I don't mean to be mean, but uh, talk. Uh, give your website. Let's make sure we get your website, which, by the way, is a treasure trove, uh, a treasure trove of information on a lot of different aspects of healthcare and advocacy. What's that website? The best. Okay, one. well, there's actually yeah, the, there's um drdavidwilcox.com, drdavidwilcox with one L, dot com. Um, in which you can catch up with all the interviews and, and the amount of information that we're sharing with the media um, on the press room tab. There's also Dr. drdavidhelps.com, and if you sign up there for my periodic updates, you'll get a free healthcare resource guide, which will give you one-click access to a lot of the areas in healthcare that we're going to talk about during this interview. Yeah, and today we are going to talk about, and uh, there's going to be a great accompanying article over at USA Business Radio on why I became a healthcare advocate. And like I said, you know, you didn't say, from what I gather, you, you weren't aspiring to this as a young man. Uh, you were kind of moved in a, due to circumstances out of your control. Yep, that's true. In fact, um, when I dropped out of high school, I think my family voted me the least likely to succeed at that point in time. But, you know, life has, <laughs> takes you down. <laughs> they take you down different journeys, right? So, you know, who By would have known? By the way, I'm a dropout, too. I didn't know if you knew that. I dropped out of high school, too. So there's hope oh, for you? all of us. Yeah, yeah there I graduated is. with honors uh, with a degree in history, but I was a high school dropout. So 
funny how that works out. But go right ahead. I think some people go on different um, courses. For me, you know, who knew that uh, at 19 I was going to be a father and that I was going to have a um, developmentally disabled daughter and that I was going to be an active part of the healthcare system. I mean, at 19, you think you can live forever, right? Um, but here I am, yeah, yeah. I'm taking my daughter around to different appointments, and I'm getting a pretty good perspective of what the healthcare system looks like from the angle of being an advocate for a multi- uh, developmentally disabled daughter, um, which gave me the real fire in my belly to go do what I what I did what I've done since then. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, talk about that. Talk about, I mean, because a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, uh, that have children born that have severe health situations, uh, be it developmental, major diseases. I've got a grandson who um, had to have a heart transplant at, uh, at the age of one. Uh, so he had profound, you know, health. And obviously, when they have those issues, it goes beyond the heart. It overflows into other areas of his health as well, developmental-wise. Um, and so, but my son, uh, he's really smart and very passionate about taking care of his son. Um, you know, he's not going to become a medical professional, although he is a lay professional out out the kazoo, if you will, on how to take care of these, uh, you know, uh, of his of his own side. And I'm very proud of him. But you would you want a step that most people don't go. Talk about how that happened. Talk about why that happened. Yeah. So, um, like I alluded to it with my daughter, I spent a lot of time within the healthcare system, and since I was a minimum wage employee and eventually went into factory work and made more than that, I was pretty much at the mercy of healthcare programs to be able to get my daughter what she needed. Um, You know, my daughter had seizures. She had a lot of issues. And, you know, I can remember times where the doctors were telling me, say your goodbye, she's not going to make it. And as a parent, you know, nothing can get you to the point of complete disaster as, you know, when you're thinking about your child dying before you. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people have lived through that, sometimes in the healthcare system due to mistakes and things like that. But, um, you know, it kind of gave me a fire in my belly. And so when I was in manufacturing and eventually was laid off, I had some tuition benefits. And I decided, you know what, I am going to go become a nurse. And so I started um, getting, with getting my LPN, which is a licensed practical nurse up in New York State, And I did that because I had about a year of unemployment and I had these tuition benefits and I had to do something else with my life. So I got my LPN, which allowed me to to see a different perspective because I worked within nursing homes and then eventually I worked at at a hospital on a kidney pancreas transplant unit. And from there, I jumped right into getting my two year degree as an RN. Um, because I, I figured out if I can do this as an LPN, I should become an RN. You know, it'll, it'll increase my pay, and it'll give me better access to assess people. And so I did that and um, did bedside nursing for years. And as you read the book, you'll see some many stories that came from that experience. And then eventually moved to North Carolina and got my bachelor's because I was getting more into management where I was supervising a hospital at, at night while everybody else was sleeping. Um, and that led me, of course, to get my master's and then my, eventually my doctorate of nursing practice. But the reason why I kind of take you through that timeline is as an LPN, I developed compassion, right? I developed compassion for patients that I sat with. 
older individuals who were on the last leg of their journey and knew they were, they were going, you know, that they were going to pass, as well as younger people who you didn't expect to pass. But that compassion kept driving me to go back to school because I wanted a seat at the table where I could make a change for people like my daughter or, or your child. And so we could improve the healthcare system. And I wanted to be in that position. So I just kept going back and taking advantage of those opportunities. No, it wasn't um, like you said, you know, when I was in school, this was not something I planned. It was just something I did. Um, and every opportunity that came along, I just grabbed a hold of it and, and kept that mindset of that 19 year old who was taking his daughter to various appointments and interacting in the healthcare system and never forgot that. So that when I talk to people today, I know, you know, I know how scary it can be to go through the American healthcare system, especially now with the staffing shortages and stuff. So um, that's why I, I really believe I was born to be a patient advocate. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. And, you know, I think about so many people who go into nursing, most, I would assume, are immediately pursuing an RN, I would assume. When you say that's probably accurate, they're not planning on being an uh, LPN or like in some states in LBN, they're basically the same thing. They're going, they're shooting immediately for RN. Would you say that's true? Well, it depends on your income level, right? And, I mean, if you're, like, in my situation, I had to do something. I had to do it within a year's worth of time. So that was my best option. Um, and then there's other mm -hmm. people, you know, that are pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, and, and being an LPN is a great place for them. Uh, you know, and then there's other people oh, who yeah. want to go right into the RN track. So it all depends. You know, um, the nice thing about nursing is that there is something for everybody to do, and if you get sick of doing that, there's something else you can do. So that's the one nice thing about nursing as a career. Yeah, I would say from an income perspective, you know, uh, you, you can't really be, beat nursing, you know, from a solid income uh, perspective. You know, and I've had people who were ND smart, and they have said, you know, I'm thinking about going to medical school. I'm like, I really think you ought to get a, a, a nurse, become a nurse practitioner, uh, you know, a doctor or a nurse practitioner. Because, you know, the income is fairly competitive and the liability is much more manageable as are the hours. And, uh, you know, to me, nursing is just a, a profoundly uh, logical choice. But for you, it served for particularly well uh, in developing. If, if you had gone straight into, uh, you know, pursuing the RN, you might have missed an opportunity to uh, get those skills uh, in terms of working with people and developing that empathy that you're alluding to. Yes, definitely. I mean, um, you know, the opportunities were there, and I just grabbed them. The tuition benefits lasted longer than the unemployment did, but I had to have some way to support myself and my family, you know, at that point. Yeah. So the LPN was the, the best option for me. But with that, I overlapped my LPN program from when I graduated, and I started my RN about a month before I graduated my LPN. So um, I was definitely on the move to, you know, get myself to be an RN. And at one point, too, Kevin, I thought, you know, hey, I'm an RN, you know, I'll be making my $62,000 back down a year or whatever it was. And I said, you know, and, and with a two-year degree, and I'm good. And then when I got asked to manage the hospital at night, they told me you have to get your four-year degree. So that caused me to go back to school to get the bachelor's. Um, and then from there, you know, at, once I was getting done with the bachelor's, my buddy at the hospital that I worked with, he said, hey, the, you know, Pfeiffer's coming up here and they're going to do a master's program. Um, there's going to be a cohort right here at the hospital. Let's get into it. And I was like, fine, I'm already in school mode. So it was just kind of like, 
you know, how things happened, how things occurred. Um, but during that time, I saw a lot of things in healthcare that I just said, well, I can't believe the system operates like this. Uh, and that becomes a really pertinent discussion now with the staffing shortages and things that are going on and why people need healthcare advocates or at least need to educate themselves in the, on the healthcare system. Because, you know, I just read a report that came out in the fall um, of last year in 2022 that said still hospitalized patients run a 25% of having a harmful incident happen to them. One out of every four patients, something happens at the hospital. It may not lead to death or dismemberment, but there's a harmful situation. Uh, and that, you know, from working within a hospital and seeing that for patients, I mean, that's a pretty alarming statistic, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you're not sick before you go to the hospital, you will be after you get there. It's kind of a running joke, isn't it? Oh no, we don't want yeah. you to go to the hospital. That's that's where people get hurt and, and die. You know, even if they're perfectly fine when they get there. I mean, it, it's a weird, a weird dynamic. You know, and again, there's a a, a lot of uh, uh, contagions all over the place at hospitals. A lot of things that are going on. Uh, not to mention risks of injury. Uh, and I would think now it's more vulnerable than ever, aren't they, with, with how overextended staff are? Yeah, so there's, a, there's two aspects I want um, the listeners to consider. First of all is the clinical aspect, right? So we're, as clinicians, we push for safe staffing levels and all of that. But when we're in the situation and there's patients there that need care and you know you're stretching yourself really thin by taking that assignment – because there's nobody else to take those patients, you're going to do that because that's what you are, that's what's in you. You want to take care of patients. You want to help people. So for the clinician who's fighting to get a seat at the table, sometimes they have to put themselves in, in very bad situations. Now, for the patient, if you come into a hospital nowadays and you aren't proactively educated, you're begging to be a statistic. And let me say that again, you're begging to be a statistic. Because if you don't question the nurse when they're giving you medications, hey, I haven't seen that pill before. What's it for? Um, oh, yeah, it's for this and this. And understanding that, you know, you have to be an active part of your health care. You have to tell your anesthesiologist every reaction you've ever had to anesthesia or what your allergies are. You've got to have somebody with you if you're having surgery who knows your health care history. Like um, in the book, my uncle, who almost died from a medication that a doctor was going to give him. Thank God my aunt intervened because she knew his medical history, which is very complex. You're asking to be a statistic if you're not proactively educated, especially nowadays. And this isn't going to get any better, people. This is going to get worse. Yeah, absolutely. David, always love having you on the program. Uh, Pino, you're, I'm sure just to warn you, have uh, generated more potential questions from people because it is such a fascinating story. I, for one, am glad that you're in this space. I wish there were more people in this space because, uh, uh, you know, both from my own personal experiences with what I've, I've seen our family go through with my grandson, plus the history of poor care that I saw my parents receive, um, this is really important, and, uh, and not only do you focus on the actual care itself, but the financial aspects. That's really the biggest aspect, uh, maybe, um, and certainly the one I think most people might think about when it comes to our series, at least. All of that is so necessary. Final thoughts, David Wilcox. Well, you hit the nail right on the head. Let me tell you this. 
that uh, about 60 to 70 percent of people don't get health care because they're unsure of the cost. And so, yes, we definitely need to hit on that, um, Kevin, because there are ways that you can find, factor in what it's going to cost you before you even walk in the door of a hospital. And most of America does not know how to do that. So um, there's tips and tricks on that. And we definitely want to teach people how to do that because not getting care really isn't an option. You just get sicker and people make more money off you when you finally present with your symptoms. So, yes, and final thoughts, I'm going to say um, – I'm out on Amazon. It's, my book is called How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System. Pick up a copy, get the ebook, get yourself educated because it's not a matter of if you're going to need healthcare, it's a matter of when you're going to need healthcare. Yeah, no doubt about it. As always, thanks so much for being with us. I am Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. Stay tuned for more after this.